This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition. And I don't even know if there's a work-life balance out there. I also believe you just balance your life and part of that is work and part of that is home. And that balance is going to shift from time to time. It's like standing on one of those BOSU balls, you know, you're just like, okay, man, how do I do this? Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Laura Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Dunwald and Nancy Jensen, co-founders of The Swing Shift, the destination for women in career transition. Sarah spent the last decade focused on business development and sales operations in the software and high-tech consulting industry. Nancy is also a tech industry veteran, including many years overseeing operating system, server, and early SaaS products from Microsoft. They both believe that women should not be penalized for taking care of their families and that they should be able to re-enter the workforce on their own terms after career breaks. Nancy, Sarah and I had the best time talking about all kinds of things from work to personal. And then of course about self-care, we touched on common hurdles encountered by women re-entering the workforce after a career break and what skills they need to brush up on, how combining your passion and your profession can help you achieve both career and financial goals. Why Nancy and Sarah don't believe women can have it all and what true work-life balance means to them. Nancy and Sarah's top three can't live without items for self-care. And we even took a moment towards the end to geek out over our favorite young adult and fantasy fiction books because we're tired of reading business books. So enjoy the interview. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. It's, it's great to be here. Yes. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When I first heard about uh, the swing shift, well, I heard about it when it was, when it was called reboot, of course. And um, I was so interested in, in the idea of what you guys are doing and just, it's such a needed resource. So actually let's start, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the swing shift, you know, what it's all about and, and why you started it? Sure. Um, so this is Nancy. Uh, we, uh, it was two years ago, which doesn't seem possible. Um, Sarah and I sat down at Fuel Coffee and um, uh, talked about the challenges of um, what it's like when you're trying to uh, have a career and have a family and how do you mix that all up. I had um, the opportunity to take the Reboot Accelerator course down in Silicon Valley and I had talked with the team there and said, hey, let's, I think there's a demand for this up in the Puget Sound and Sarah knew somebody there. And, you know, it was one of those uh, twists of fate where after an hour, I think we both, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I just went, oh, I totally want to work with her. She's so smart. This is going to be so much fun. (laughs) Um, And that's how it started. Um, And, you know, there's some numbers behind it where, you know, the Center for Talent Innovation says 43% of women take breaks from their careers. And there's a Harris study that says 60% want to change roles or careers. I mean, the numbers bear us out. Yeah, absolutely. And, so, and you know, Sarah, I'm going on and on and on. You should. 
jump well, in. Well, but I love that you guys, I love that part of how it started is that you just enjoy each other and that you have mutual respect for each other. Cause I think that that's like, that's so important. I mean, if you're going to bring a business partner in or, or any partner in any part of your life, like, you better like that yeah. person. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. This would not be nearly as fun as it is without having no. Nancy or a co-founder. You know, a lot of women founders talk about the the need to have a co-founder and it is true. I mean, oh, yeah. they, they keep you sane, they keep you in line, you get feedback from them, you have different strengths. Um, it's been it's been a really fun fun ride for sure. It really does. Yeah, I'm kind of envious actually because I <laughs> I have often wished that I had a a partner in crime, as it were. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the swing shift, you know, can you talk a little bit more specifically about the programs that you offer? Because I'm sure that there are many of my listeners who are not familiar with that. I obviously know a little bit, but can you just kind of walk us through what that looks like in practice? Sure, Sarah, yeah, why don't you take that? Yeah, this is Sarah. Uh, so we have a flagship program. It's called our Career Catalyst, and it is hosted in the fall and the spring, and it's six weeks long, and it covers a number of different um, technical and business skill sets. Essentially, these women that go through the program are have been extremely accomplished. They have master's degrees. They were past attorneys. They essentially are very smart and driven and motivated. And what we're doing is just getting them modernizing their skills, if you will. So if the women have been out taking home with their family or have been in the same role for a while and they have been doing the same things, they don't, they, they may not know the advanced, um, technologies like what Google is doing. Um, we teach like career discernment. A lot of these women had accomplished careers and but they're they aren't don't want to go back to that they want to do something else they aren't quite sure what that is and so we help kind of give them a roadmap to start thinking outside the box and figuring out what are their passions what do they want to do with themselves you know for the next 10 15 20 years and then we also go through um you know personal branding how do you brand yourself on social media it's very important and a lot of the women don't use it for um expressing their themselves and their achievements they use it more for you know personal family situations and so we essentially show them this is how you showcase yourself on social media this is how you leverage it this is how you start getting in conversations get yourself um, aligned as a thought leader Um, and then we also of course do linkedin which is the end-all be-all at this point of networking and getting a job, we get their resume up to date because, you know, nowadays with the ATS systems, you know, they need certain keywords that they have to have. It's, it's all very, it's like a game, you know, and we kind of teach them, how do you play that game in this day? Can you, what is ATS? I'm not actually familiar with that term. So ATS is, um, Applicant tracking systems. Oh, okay. That Those makes are the systems that corporations use to filter through resumes. Got it. I mean, you can tell and I haven't had a book have... job in quite some time. So. <laughs> exactly, right? So if you're trying to enter back in the workforce, a lot of times those tracking systems, they don't even let you in the door. You're mm. not even you know, you're not even able to get to a recruiter. So we just kind of help them, you know, figure out how do you play this game in this day and age? And how do you maximize what you've been doing? If you've taken a break, you know, we've had a lot of women that are sitting on boards and nonprofits and doing a lot of different important work. And how do we help them showcase that? Yeah. And we also, of course, you know, the very important business skills of brushing up on negotiation 
presentation um, and communication as well. Well, and I love that helping them get in touch with their passion is part of it because I I would be willing to bet that many of them have never even been asked that question, right? Like, what are you passionate right. about? And and working to align their career choices with that. I mean, it's it's unfortunately, yeah. You just some. I, I think many of us had the experience of you just enter the workforce, and if you're passionate right. about your work, great, you're lucky, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think there's um. There's an element of combining your passion and your um, and your profession, right? For some of the women who come through, you know, they're perhaps they've been working on something they're very passionate about, and then uh, they need to start generating more income than they have in the past for a variety of reasons. I think of somebody from our first cohort who, you know, she's looking to put more in her retirement account, and we have somebody in our latest cohort who really needs to go you know, put some money in the bank. She's got a two-year-old, you know, I mean, so we're looking at both ends of the equation, you know, so, um, uh, you know, we believe that you should be able to, you know, I don't want us to have it all because I don't actually um, ascribe to that, but you, you should be able to combine things that you care about that, which includes your home life and the, 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 uh, causes that you believe in as well as your skills and to get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I, you know, when you said you don't believe that you can have it all, I actually agree with you, but can you talk more about that and what having it all, you know, you, what you think sure. that means and why it's well, not possible? I, well, I, you know, it means different things to different people. You know, I think probably in the eighties, um, you know, there was this whole notion, you know, the seventies and eighties, you know, there was this whole notion of you can do it all. You can be a full-time working parent. And, you know, so in like that old Anjali ad, right. You fry up the bacon, put it in the pan. I mean, I was obsessed with that. I remember buying it from my own mother who was like, what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> Got it for her for mother's day. I love it. She worked, you know, she was a legal secretary. Sarah's mom worked. Um, mm. But I think that what that notion doesn't address is what you trade off. And, and there's trade-offs no matter what you do. When you're a full-time working person and you have a family, you trade things off. I have, friend, I have an elementary and a middle schooler, and I have friends who work full-time, and they're like, you know, we have no idea what's going on at the school. You know, I have friends who are full-time volunteering at the schools. And th- we talk to a lot of those kinds of women who are saying, gosh, I don't really know what's going on in the work world. Um, and I think in both cases, they're great parents, but it's these side things that get traded off. Sarah, I don't, now your kids are younger, so I think you're just starting to get into this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, Nancy hit the nail on the head. It, you know, having it all means... It does mean different things to everyone. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you can necessarily have it all either. Um, I And I don't even know if there's a work-life balance out there. I also believe you just balance your life and part of that is work and part of that is home. And that balance is going to shift from time it's to like time. It's like standing on one of those BOSU balls, you know? You're yeah, just like, okay, analogy. man, how do I do this? But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, having it all to me means that you feel balanced, you feel centered, you feel happy. Um, and if that is you working, you know, 40 hours a week and having a nanny at home or having your kids in school and working part-time or, you know, whatever that is, I think you have it all. If you feel like you're being true to yourself and you, and you have, you know, your outlook is, um, 
you yeah. just feel good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my friend, my best friend, Adrian, who lives down in the Valley, um, she went back to work after her second daughter was born after six weeks. She said she originally planned to take, I think, a six month break. And after six weeks, she said, I was crawling the walls, you yeah. know, and, she, and yeah. she, I mean, great mom, great kids, but she's so bright. And for her, working is a necessity for her mental health, you know? Right. Well, and good for her for recognizing that. I mean, I think yes. that, you know, that there's, there's guilt on both sides, right? And I think, you yes. know, the, the guilt is, is something that we, you know, obviously sometimes it's imposed on us, but I think a lot of it happens inside our heads and, and it's oh, yeah. know, that place of self-compassion. And, and Sarah, to your point, like understanding, you know, what does balance mean today? I, w- I like to talk about it as work-life integration because, you know, you can't separate yeah. They're, they're part of your one person, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. yeah. So how do they flow in and out and how do you make those choices, right. you know, from and different time. And I, I was going to say in different, different, it's a different mix at different stages, you know, before, you know, when I, I Andy and I were married and, you know, for five years before we had uh, Elizabeth and, you know, I was able to devote more time um, to my career at that point. But once she showed up, my priority shifted then we had Joe, and I will say um, there were a few days where I was standing out on the street going, "Could, could I talk to an adult?" <laughs> I mean, there, I certainly hit a point where I thought, "Okay, this is great. I love my kids. I love my family, and I also need to use those other skills too." So there, yeah. there was a time when I ratcheted that back, and now I'm rolling it forward again. Yeah. So I think it's different state, different mix at different stages. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And actually speaking of your careers, I mean, you both had long careers, have long careers in the tech industry before founding the swing, the swing shift. What sort of, I'm always curious what unique challenges women in tech face when it comes to prioritizing themselves and their well-being. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I work with a lot of them. So I, I, I sort of already know the answers, but I, I'm always curious to hear from women who've, you know, been in the trenches there. Yeah, I, uh, you know, this is Nancy. Um, I think that, uh, especially if you're working in tech, it's so, it, it's intoxicating, especially if you're working on a project or a product that you really believe in. Um, and that, you know, you see what the possibilities are and you get swept up or at least I do, I think a lot of women do, you get swept up with the tide of, oh, we're going to ship. And, you know, sometimes that ship is, is sailing and it's awesome. And sometimes it's a, you know, I'm mixing metaphors, but it's sometimes it's a death march. Um, <laughs> you know, you just have to, uh, I think that when you start throwing kids into the mix, it, it's almost like you have to compartmentalize it. And, and I think that not everybody is good at that. Um, uh, you know, for me, I know, you know, I had a really long career. I worked in market research. I worked at Microsoft for 12 years. I taught at the U, um, at software product management, you know, like teach what you know. Um, I found that trying to, um, I couldn't go full force on work the way I used to once I had the kids. And that was me. Um, and I knew women who did, and I really envied them. And I knew that they were making other trade-offs, I couldn't do it. Um, and I felt the other thing that I will say is that I felt I traded off my health, uh, my physical health, right? The first thing I did when I lost my, when I left Microsoft is I had to lose 35 pounds and I'm not that tall. I'm only five, three. Um, so I think of that as like seven of those Costco chickens. That's a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, and I'm never going back to that. Yeah. You know, that, cause that was hard. It sucked. Yeah. I didn't believe that. 
Well, <laughs> no, that's the real stuff. That's what we want to hear. Right. For sure. No. And it's hard when you get in that, once you get to that place and you wake up one day and you're like, Oh my goodness, what just happened? And that's, that's often when women come yeah. to me in that moment where they're like, Whoa, Hey, 15 years yeah. later, yeah, I don't feel like myself anymore. Yeah. 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 And I would, I would have to agree with Nancy. I would say the biggest challenges was, you know, before kids, you can go at such a fast speed. Right. And it's, it is fun and you have a great time and, you know, it, you have kids and everything changes, everything changes, whether you like it or realize it, you know, it's, it's different. And for me, I was having to set very clear expectations with my manager, with my clients, with, you know, my coworkers and say, you know what, I'm not going to be at this evening event at, you know, this time, because I have a four month old that I, it's really important to me to make sure that I put them to bed, you know, and that was an adjustment for everyone, for me included. And did I feel like I, you know, I wasn't stepping up or I, you know, yeah, it was conflicting emotions, you know, constantly, but I stayed true to what my priorities were and Mm -hmm. I didn't do my job any less you know, it was, I still was doing a fantastic job, still getting the results. And, but I, so I just realized, you know, I'm changing as an employee and Mm -hmm. how I work and the people around me needed to do that as well. And for the most part they did. Um, But I think it's, it's being just very clear with what you need. Yeah. Yeah, And people adjust. I mean, to your point, Sarah, I mean, it's sort of like, I think that women often are afraid to draw those boundaries. And and that's often something that I work a lot with my clients on because they, they're afraid to, they're just really afraid to do that. And I think, and I get it, like, and there are some valid reasons to be afraid to do that, you know, at the same time, once they do, they find that actually it's not as much of an impact as they thought it was going to be, you know? Um, in many cases. Mm -hmm. So um, that's great that you were able to kind of just say, you know what, this is what's important to me. This is what I'm doing. Right. You know, and I'm, you know, talking about, you know, Nancy, what you were saying about just um, coming to a place where you felt like you sacrificed your, your wellness. I'd be curious to know from both of you, what being well means to you now at this point in your life, how do you define that? Oh, um, you know, it's funny. I think of it as, you know, being mentally engaged with my work on a day-to-day basis and also having the time to go, at least for me, having the time to to do a workout and also to have a little mental time to engage in my guilty pursuits, which is reading Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, no, but that took some self-actualization. <laughs> <laughs> to say, you know, uh, on Saturday when that magazine arrives, I tell, like, the kids and Andy know, don't talk to mommy, she's reading anything weekly. <laughs> and I do, I really love it. But I think for me, you know, I, I can't just, I can't do one or the other. For me, I've got to have both. And so it's what Sarah was talking about earlier. It's getting that balance point. Yeah. Sarah, what about you? For me, you know, being, being well um, right now means having the energy to do everything I need to do throughout the day. That's kind of my indicator. If I um, am tired and sluggish, you know, I kind of take stock of where am I right now? What have I been doing? Have I been getting enough sleep? If I have, what have I been, how have I been eating? 
you know, if I've been doing okay with that, I'm like, okay, I need to start working out a little bit more or again, or, you know, I just, I, I'm always kind of level setting myself. Mm -hmm. And I think when I'm at my most, um, the, you know, the wellness, I guess to me is like just being able to have that energy and making sure that I'm being mindful. That's a big challenge for me. Yeah. You know, I am present when I am at work, I am present when I am at home, I am present. Um, and I feel my best when I'm able to do that. It's funny that you say that, Sarah, you know, it's, uh, in, and this is when this is being recorded, it's about a week after the whole Facebook testimony, um, in Congress. And about a week before that, I, maybe it was the rain, but I was really feeling blue, you know, and I kind of did that assessment and saying, okay, I'm not feeling hundred percent. What's up with this? And believe it or not, it was, um, social media that was really kind of getting me down. I felt like I, because it was rainy and I was re- online a lot on the phone, right? And I talked to Andy, my husband, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to uninstall like all the social stuff on my phone. I'll still check it on my laptop, but I don't feel good. And I got to say, um, it was a hard decision because, you know, I love, no, I love the goss, right? I love knowing what's going on. And at the same time, I, you know, Sarah, it was just what you were talking about. I, I absolutely did a little check-in and went, you know, I think that this is not good for me. And I'm just going to kind of, I didn't make some pronouncement like I'm off social. <laughs> but I did just uninstall them on my phone and I feel a lot better. And maybe it's because the sun just came out two minutes ago. Hey, it's Laura here. I want to take a quick break from the interview to invite you to a brand new monthly online workshop series I'm launching this Friday, May 18th. It's designed to help you get out of your own way and make being healthy feel easy and intuitive instead of stressful and overwhelming. And it's totally free. So consider this your personal invitation to join in. First up this Friday is my favorite new workshop topic for unconscious stories, keeping you feeling tired and lazy and how to shift them to reactivate the confident, healthy, and powerful you. Visit lauradolch.com slash workshops to save your spot for this and future workshops. That's lauradolch.com slash workshops. Living in the Northwest, like it's a struggle. Yes. It's a huge struggle. And I, I do this. I feel, I, I feel this way in this early spring every single year. And I start getting down and I start feeling a little bit depressed, if you will, and just want to crawl in bed and not face the world. And I, every year this happens. Totally. I'm going down to LA next weekend for that very reason. (laughs) I'm like, you really have to go above and beyond. I'm coming down there. Yeah. 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 You have to go above and beyond. I think before kids, I did that a lot more. I had friends in Arizona. We'd meet. San Diego, Palm Springs, like that was, that was our thing. Cause I knew I needed to get out of the city, but I don't get to do that as much. Well, I was going to say we've, because the cost triples, right? Everything. Right. Well, and you know, the, the commitment and the, it's not easy to escape with two kids. So I, I have to find other ways to kind of get through this time. Well, and I'm listening to you all talk about some of the realizations that you've had about yourself, about what makes you feel well, um, which is, you know, this sort of discernment that you've been able to apply to that. How did you get to that place? That's something that I work with my clients a lot on how to tune in and figure out what you need to feel healthy and energetic and vibrant. How How do you think that happened for you over time? 
Oh, I, you know, uh, Sarah, I don't know if you've got a quick answer on this one. No, I think it's just evolved. You know, I think I'm just learning more about myself, what's important, um, more self-care, if you will, like me as a person and my health has become a big priority for me and it used to not be as much. Um, and I think just, you know, getting a bit older and realizing, you know, it's, it's not a quick answer. I would just say it has evolved essentially for me. What made you prioritize health? Like what was that turning point for you, Sarah? So I would say, so my mid twenties, um, I decided to run a marathon (laughs) and I wasn't a huge runner before I'd always been active. I'd always played sports. Um, but I wasn't a real, hardcore, I'd go to the gym every so often and maybe do 20 minutes of an elliptical or something. But I got inspired. Um, one evening I was talking to a friend and we decided to run a marathon to raise money for charity. And I think I was 26 at the time and I did it. And it was so incredible. It, the training program, the commitment, it just, it changed my life essentially because I had to eat different. I couldn't eat that heavy burrito because I knew I was going to have to run after work. You know, I, I didn't go out, you know, really late on a Friday night because I had a long run on Saturday morning and I was doing it with a bunch of people and I was collecting money from friends and family to raise for charity and I couldn't let these people down, right. you know, and so I needed to do it and I'm a, also a very like type A competitive person and so I wanted to do well <laughs> if I was going to do it. So that happened and it was incredible experience and that just kind of, that was that shift that said, wow, this is how you can feel if you're taking care of yourself. Mm, I love that. I don't suppose you ran with team and training, did you? You sound like- I did, yes. So did I. I ran with them in New York for a couple of seasons. So they're a great organization. um, So yeah, that was the time where I was like, that um, feeling that your body feels is very intoxicating and you just wanted more of that. And that was, I tell my husband all the time that I have no idea where I would be with my health right now if I hadn't have done that one marathon. Yeah. What about you, Nancy? Was there a turning point for you? You talked a little bit earlier about the work situation, but was there? Yeah. Well, you know, and I've been running, it's funny, Sarah, I I picked up running in my early twenties. Um, I, you know, I ran track in high school and, um, I went to college in Maine, so that was more everything on snow. Um, but, (laughs) um, you know, I, I ran quite a bit. And then, you know, when I was working, particularly at Microsoft, um, I really gave myself over to the job and it was not, and I, 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 in my mind, you know, I always feel like, you know, I need to have time for my family and my friends, time for my workout and then time for work. And when I was working there, there was no time for workout and there was barely time for family and friends to be perfectly honest. Um, And so, you know, when Elizabeth was on her way, um, I knew that I wasn't, and I had launched an insane number of products at Microsoft. I was kind of done launching products there. And I thought, I'm going to take a little step back um, for a few months. And then I got the job over at UW. But when I took the step back, you know, I, I had to take a good hard look at myself and go, all right, so you have no excuses right now. And I went to the doctor and the doctor said, you need to lose 35 pounds. And, and I knew it, it wasn't, you know, I looked in the mirror, I knew what I saw. Um, and I did like 
I did Oprah boot camp with my friend Heather and we, and it, it is brutal. <laughs> can I tell you? And, you know, we went to the gym every day. Sometimes we did double headers and it was 12 weeks. And I thought for 12 weeks, I am just going to do this. And that was my job. And it took a lot of time, but I felt that, um, I, I wasn't having any health problems, but I was also way too young to be that heavy, you know? Um, and so I really went heads down on it. And I, you know, Sarah, it was like what you were saying about making the trade-offs. You know, I had to talk to Andy and say, look, I have to go to the gym on Friday night. Okay. Because I've got to do a double header and that's when I'm going to do it. And I have to do an hour run on Sunday. And so uh, we need to make these accommodations. And if you're going to have these treats in the house, you need to hide them. And I mean, really hide them so that I can't <laughs> find them. Um, and you know, it was, um, it was extremely effective. I lost, you know, in 12 weeks, I lost almost 30 pounds. And then I lost another, I forget, 10 or 12, you know, using Weight Watchers. I mean, these were totally accessible, very low cost, low profile um, ways to do it. And there's nothing fancy about it, but it was horrible. <laughs> yes, I felt good and I was exhausted and I got tired of going, you know, because I'm very social, right? So you can probably tell that. Sarah can tell you that. I love going out. I love meeting people. I love going to cocktail parties. And I got really tired of going out and saying, I'll have seltzer. No, I can't yeah. eat. You know, I didn't go so far as to go to people's houses and bring my own food, but, you know, I. I would go and, you know, just say, well, gosh, that looks great. And I would lie and say, oh, I ate before I came. And, you know, it, it was that, on one hand, that level of commitment, I just said, I have to do this because it's now or never. Um, and I'm glad I did it. I really hope I never have to do anything like that again. That is so your personality, Nancy, like the way that you attacked yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, and it's funny sometimes, you know, I, you know, a lot of women end up on my doorstep after having gone through more extreme, you know, um, programs like that, just like what you were trying, where they had to give up things that they really just weren't comfortable giving up in terms right. of like the social stuff and that sort of thing. And then find themselves in a place where they can't necessarily sustain it. Although you, you sound like you, you've got, you sort of, it kicked you into a healthier lifestyle that you've been able to totally. sustain, which is awesome, which is great yeah. to see. Cause that happens too. Oh yeah. And you know, the way I looked at it, it's funny. The way I looked at it was, this is not for, I'm not going to have to do this stuff forever. It is, yeah. it is this short commitment. You can do anything for 12 weeks, right? Think about like for people who are working and are working with teams they don't like or managers that are very difficult you can for 12 weeks. If you, if somebody said to you, you only have to do this for 12 weeks and then you can move on to something better. Uh, of course you can do that. People do those situations for years and years. I was like, Oh, so I can't have a cookie for 12 weeks. Well, that stinks, but okay. The alternative is good. And so, you know, for me, the, the upside of it is, you know, like right now I'm in a heavy, you know, it's been a dark winter and I had plantar fascia, which is, since we're all runners, you'll, drag. yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel bad for me. I feel <laughs> but no, I just, you know, like I just, uh, signed up with a trainer because I've got to do some workouts that aren't running and you know, um, I, I hate that. And at the same time, that's the way it is. And I'm like, Oh, that's my biggest problem. I can't run every day. Wah. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if there's something that either of you do that feels like self-care to you, but that wouldn't necessarily show up in a book about 
health and wellness? Mine is hilarious and kind of embarrassing. Um, (laughs) Oh, good. So, I mean, it's not that bad, but I can get on real estate apps for hours. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I love that. That is definitely what I have not heard before. The houses in, you know, everywhere, all different areas and house prices and what houses are going for and with what's selling and what's not and the data. And it is bizarre, but I feel so relaxed after it's done. (laughs) Like it's something that just consumes me and I love it. I've always loved the real estate industry. I think it's very fascinating, especially here in Seattle. Um, And so, yes, I would say you would not, you would not see that in a self-help book, but it is kind of a relaxation for me sometimes. That's great. What about you, Nancy? Well, mine's, I don't know, mine's pretty boring. Um, I love to read. And so what I, what I will do is like, it's, and it's everything from entertainment weekly to what's on the bestsellers. (laughs) I was an English literature major. You know, I love to read. Um, for me, it's like saying, I'm turning off the phone, I'm turning off the laptop, and just holding up with a book for a couple of hours. And, you know, like stepping away from social media, I was knocking off a book a day. I mean, oh, that's so great. Yeah. And, and I read fast, and at the same time, and they weren't mind bending reads. <laughs> <laughs> and, at the, you know, hey, um, still me from JoJo Moyes, two thumbs up. <laughs> But it's, for me, it's really important to have that mental escape, you know, and I will say my guilty pleasure reads are those young adult fantasy books. Oh my gosh, I love them. Have you read The Golden Compass and that whole series? I mean, it's been a few years. Oh my gosh, Nancy, you must. It is one of the best. I'm writing it down right now. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. Yeah. Reading is a big one for me as well. I'm a huge reader. I read every night. It's my way to kind of wind down and relax. And like Nancy too, like... You know, I'm like, oh, I should really read this business book or this self-help uh, book. I really should, but I'm going to read this one. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, that's my, I will say that's my, you know, my business confession. Everybody goes, oh, you should read business book X. And I nod and I go, okay, I hate business books. I know. I rarely you know, can get through them. There are a few, actually, there are a few, but like, yeah. I'm totally with you. There's nothing like good fiction. I, it's one of the things I actually miss about living in New York because in New York, you always had a book with you because you're on the subway. There's a lot of That's downtime right. in New York. Yeah, right. I read constantly, but here I don't do that as much because I'm not you know, using public transportation as much. And yeah. it's really a bummer. So I love that you prioritize that. You're actually inspiring me. I'm trying to do that a bit more. I actually finished a book last week. It was exciting. Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I read like three at a time and then I never finish yep. any of them. It's ridiculous. Yep. yep. That yep. means you haven't found one that you've loved enough. Yes. Well, that's true. That's true. What I do find, and usually it's the same as you guys, it's like the the fiction are the, those are the ones. And often, yeah, the fantasy and the, you know, you know, sort of sci-fi, like that's the genre that usually if I'm super engaged in a book, it's likely that it's in that genre. Yeah. I was reading one last week and I, I mean, I paid for it. I stayed up till one forty-five reading oh you know, and the kids get up at six 30 and I was kind of bleary. Oh my gosh. What's the book? I don't even remember now. No, no, it was Simon no. Thorne in the Viper's Pit. Um, it's a young <laughs> one. <you know? laughs> 
it was so in the trilogy. Oh my god, I love it. My daughter's been reading and she gave it to me. You know, it was very well written, it's very engaging, you know. But I started reading it after the kids went to bed. So it's nine o'clock, and I'm like, what happens next? What happens next? And I got into bed thinking, oh, I'll just fall asleep now. No. I love it. So as we're kind of wrapping things up, I hate, I always hate wrapping things up because I always want to talk to my guests for like another hour, but I'm just going to ask you to give me three quick things that you can't live without when it comes to self-care and they could be products or habits or mindsets, places, people, apps, whatever. Three, three things that you can't live without when it comes to self-care. For me, it's got to be my Kindle, right? Uh, because I do read so much. So that's the first one. Uh, the second one, great wireless headset, right? Because um, I do listen to podcasts. You know, I, I don't just run and blank out my mind sometimes, but usually I'm listening to a podcast. So that's the second one. A great wireless headset has made a huge difference to me because I can listen. I do take the bus to go to work. And so I do have a little bit of downtime, but I usually listen there. Um, and I would say for me, it's a great pair of running shoes. Yeah. Those are my big three. What do you wear? I use Brooks. Brooks, yes. Yay, yeah. local company. We love yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? What are your three? So I would say my Nike Fit app. Um, when I had kids, I couldn't run as long or as often, wasn't able to make it to the gym. And um, I would do the random workouts on the TV on Comcast for a long time. <laughs> And then the Nike Fit app, have you guys used that? No. Not that one in particular, no. fantastic. Oh, I am okay. the person that wakes up in the morning, first thing, and just does a workout in my basement. Just gets it over with. It's the only way I can do it. I do it for yeah. 30 minutes, and there's a ton of different, it's all free. There's a ton of different workouts. You can, there's weights, there's endurance. It's, you know, oh, there's- I'm totally the, checking this out. There, yeah, it's fantastic. You can do it anywhere, too. Yeah, that's um, what I love about those apps. That's a good one, though. I'll have to try that one. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And they also have a Nike um, running app that integrates with it as well. So it can keep track of if you've done any runs. Uh, so it's, that has been huge for me. The second is books as well. Um, I, that's definitely a, a big part of my life. And the third is my friendships. Mm, friends. Yeah. You know, I wasn't able to really work on those relationships as much when I was working, you know, like full time in my old job. And that's the first thing I did was when I, cause I stayed home for a year with my kids before starting the swing shift. And that was my, my focus for that year was to rekindle all of my friendships because it wasn't like I was, you know, you had that guilt before of, of, I can't go out to dinner because I need to go home to see my kids. Well, I've been home with my kids all day. So I was like, <laughs> see you later. I'm going out to meet my friend, you know, and it was, you know, girlfriends and past coworkers yep. and, you know, it was just, I was just trying to rekindle all of those relationships yeah. and that, that's a big piece now of my life. Yeah. That's so important for, for just overall well being. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. So where can people find out more about you and about the swing shift? Yeah. They can go to our website at the swingshift.co and we're on social media. We're on um, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And our handle is at The Swing Shift Co. 
Awesome. Thank you, ladies, so much. This was so fun. I really, yeah, I say this, I really say this to all my guests, like I want to keep talking, but maybe I'll have you back on at some point. So thank well, you. And you know, we'll see you or we can just like talk in person and have a cup of coffee or something stronger. And just record it <laughs> while we're talking. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit laradolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps me out. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women-forward workspace designed for community, work, and wellness. Not just a desk and a co-working space, The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support, resources, and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Fremont. Neighborhoods, and a third location will open this year in LA. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co, that's CO, slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co, slash women on the rise.